0: You love it, you are great at it. The world needs it, you are paid for it. In this program, we go deep to get answers to essential questions and learn how to develop key skills to live a life that moves you. This is the Beyond the Surface podcast. Hello, this is Alonso Chejade and welcome to the first episode of the Beyond the Surface podcast. This is a new project that I am very excited about and for my first episode, I wanted to learn more about storytelling, so I decided to bring one of the best persons I know on the topic. His name is Omar Rivas, and I hope you enjoy this interview. Our guest today is Omar Rivas. For over 35 years, he has been influential in the business community through 11 companies as a business owner, executive, and leader. He's an award-winning educational and motivational speaker, executive and presentation coach, 2011 World Championship of Public Speaking finalist, which is one of the top nine speakers in the world out of 30,000 competitors in 116 countries. Today he delivers keynotes, seminars and workshops on various business principles. He coaches executives and business owners in the art of influencing their audience with brilliant presentations and facilitates executive roundtable workshops throughout the Northwest. And today we're gonna be talking about storytelling. One of the topics that I'm very passionate about and that I keep reading is one of the essential business skills you must master. And today I dig deep with Omar about how to develop this skill, how has he developed that skill, with his incredibly great at, the reason why I decided to do this episode with him. Hope you enjoy it. Omar, thank you so much for doing this with me. I'm pretty excited about talking to you today. My pleasure, I'm glad to be here. So, to get things started, one of the things that I wanted to know about you is who, who was the most influential person in your life growing up?
1: You know, it's interesting, um, when it comes down to a particular person, I think there was more of a group of people. I grew up in New York City, and most of the people that I associated with were either in the school, the Catholic school, or people around the neighborhood. Now, there was one gentleman who was, I don't want to call him a street guy, but he, his name was Willie. And Willie was like the neighborhood philosopher. And he always had advice, or he had some sort of... Of a of a quote of the day almost, I think he made me think more than anybody else, more than my teachers, more than my parents, more than my family, more than my friends. Willie was one of those people that constantly gave me gave me comments to think about. For example, <clears throat> obviously growing up in New York City, it was a a little bit of a different attitude than anywhere else in the, in the world, but very diverse. And Willie was one of those people that would make me want to think about being a great person. He was the first one to introduce to me the concept of greatness. And he always compared Muhammad Ali, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, mostly boxers or people who are athletes, on how they achieve greatness. And he wanted me to understand that greatness is possible. It's just a matter of reaching for it. So he was probably the number one person made me think more than anybody else.
0: Talking about greatness, that's one of the reasons that I decided to to do this episode with you. Is it's funny how we met? You know, I joined Toastmasters. My wife advised me to go there to release my morning energy. And then next thing I know is I didn't really have a good uh, impression of Toastmasters the first time I tried it at another club. But when I went to the one that we're part of, the moment I saw you speak, I was like, this guy has it. I was so engaged, and for me to, to to be so engaged uh, during a presentation that is very rare usually for example right now the only person that gets me so engaged is a preacher at a at a church or something young okay. preacher right he's very well known and and that's something that I noticed that you had and I know for, uh, that you competed in the world championship of public speaking finals so really quick could you tell me what would you say was the most memorable moment of that experience
1: wow well, there was quite a few moments, but one that actually stands out is mostly the moment that they were announcing the winners. There the, there we were, there was about 3,000 people in the room. The nine finalists that had just competed were all sitting in the front row, and they started to announce the winners, and they announced the third place winner, which I thought maybe I would be good enough for the third place. And then they announced the second place winner and it wasn't my name. And then they announced the first place winner and it wasn't my name either. And that was probably shocking, but almost relieving in some aspect. What happened next was they whisked off the first, second and third place winners and they took them off to a media room. And the previous world champions of public speaking came up and congratulated each one of us to achieving this particular level of competition. Well, everybody was ev- evacuating the room so they can set up for the next session, 3,000 people exiting out. And as I turned around, there was about 125 people lined up to shake my hand and to just make a comment about my talk. So here I was as a loser at the World Championship Public Speaking, but I had influenced hundreds of people with my talk. And I think that's the, that's the most memorable part Anytime we talk or we communicate with our ideas and concepts is to be able to influence somebody's heart or mind into a positive, a positive area that they maybe never have explored before. So I think that is the number one moment that I, I will relish for the rest of my life, that I actually be, was able to influence people's lives with a message. And that gave me the whole idea of what else I'm going to be doing with my life. How, how many people can I actually influence? Does that answer your question?
0: Yeah. And what was your biggest challenge? Oh, geez.
1: Biggest challenge is, which is probably a big challenge for most people who want to get into public speaking, is understanding your own self-worth. There are many people with incredible ideas and concepts they want to share. What I feel, though, is most people do have a sense of worth that they feel, eh, nobody wants to listen to that. Nobody wants to hear that. I think that was my biggest challenge. Understand Does somebody want to hear a story about a box that my mom gave me when I was a kid. And what does that have to do with anything as far as the world's concerned? The beauty of this is that every single aspect of life is a perspective. We all go through very universal emotions and struggles and issues. But it's the perspective that you have that is so unique to everybody else. I think self-worth was the biggest challenge, understanding that what I have to say is important enough to affect somebody's life.
0: You know, that's great, thank you for sharing that Omar. And that's incredible where all all of this has got, got you now. You're a professional public speaker and you have a long record of different things you've done over your life, was being a professional public speaker something that you dreamed growing up did you always wanted to be a professional public speaker or is this something that grew on your on you later in life
1: no being a public speaker was definitely not my number 1 goal as a kid growing up i wanted to become either a scientist or researcher i wanted to get into either the sciences of some aspect i ended up with an engineering degree and I wanted to go into research. But what I found was that the idea of having research and working out of a cubicle did not appeal to me. Well, I found myself in certain verticals that had conferences and conventions and eventually I became a sort of an expert in those different verticals and I was asked to speak at various conferences, conventions and trade shows. And it apparently I apparently not had a gift, but I was able to communicate in a certain way. I wasn't good, but I didn't have any fear of failing. And I think that's the number one aspect. But no, I did not grow up wanting to be a public speaker. The objective became is when I started to understand that there are elements of my life that can become influential in somebody else's, that's when I started to identify the fact that everybody has that ability to deliver a message or a concept or an idea effectively. They just don't want to take the next step. I made a very, very good decision joining Toastmasters because it's a safe environment to practice. I can screw up all I want and try out new things as far as body language and ideas and word usage. And considering the fact that English is my second language, I have to sometimes think in Spanish and translate on the moment. If I'm doing something extemporaneous, Toastmasters allowed me to do that and exercise that muscle. But to answer your question, no, I was not, I was not in any way, shape, or form as a kid wanted to be a public speaker. I think that, that, I think everybody has that fear in some aspect. And I had that fear when I was a kid.
0: You know, there's one thing that somebody said once about you and your presentations that I feel like truly is one of your core strengths, which is Omar creates a lesson out of every story. <laughs> that's something that Patricia said. Okay, And that, that's topic that I wanted to focus on today, which is storytelling. And I want to be able to leverage your experience on the field, presenting and talking, especially as far as how you're able to use storytelling as a message, as a tool to deliver your messages. I think that's pretty incredible. And before we dig deep into this topic, I wanted to share a couple of quotes that I found on the topic that really inspire me uh, to learn more about this, which is, one is, great stories happen to those who can tell them. Ira Glass. The other two are, the human species thinks in metaphors and learns through stories. Mary Catherine Batison, something like that. Probably I'm pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> the last one is sometimes reality is too complex. Stories give it form. John Lou Goddard. So Omar, how how do you bro- uh, how do you break into professional public speaking? Wow. I just gave a uh,
1: seminar regarding how to actually do that and there was two other speakers that are they are paid to give their their talks all over the country. My objective has always been that people will listen to you. And and I guess when when you classify the word professional speaker that means that you're being paid. Correct. Okay. With that in mind, people will pay for solutions, not for who you are or what you do or how good you have, uh, 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 how good you have as a concept or what you have as as an idea that you want to project. And what I've discovered is I look for problems. In particular, what I actually look for is what are people frustrated, upset, disappointed, worried, angry, concerned, or anxious about? Fudwaka. I look for that in different verticals. Legal field, technical field, manufacturing, anything that has to do with, with, with anything that has to do with employees, with a room to move, move to move forward or growth. And I look to see what are some of the problems that they have. With that in mind, I go ahead and identify what solutions I may be able to come up with. And I find a way to present it to them through a conference, a convention, maybe even a corporation itself. And I present them the idea of, this is some some items that I find that you might be frustrated or upset or disappointed or concerned about. I have solutions for this. Would you like to have a conversation? And that allows people to to identify if they can find a speaker that can influence them in a way that's positive, whether it's the employees or management or the C-suites, they will probably bring in somebody and pay them handsomely for that information. Now add to that some of the experiences I've had, having owned several companies in the past in the last 35 years. I've also managed large groups. I have a certain experience on management at the corporate level by being an entrepreneur. So combine those those elements. Everybody has an asset. It's just a matter of identifying how we can convert it to a solution to a particular problem. So if somebody wants to become a professional speaker, First, identify what the problem is. Market the problem as a universal resonating force. Then, establish a solution. It's unfortunate everybody wants to be a great speaker and then markets how good and wonderful that product is. But the reality is, that doesn't sell. People don't buy how good you are. They buy Mm. what solutions you can provide for them.
0: And when you're crafting a new presentation or a new talk, What's your process to incorporate a story into the presentation? Because that's something that you do a lot. I've seen all your talks, and you're always trying to figure out what's something about you and your personal life that you can... You basically transform that into a tool to deliver that solution, address that problem in all your presentations.
1: There's a concept I, I talk quite a bit about called dicing. Dicing is, if you, if you look at a, a, a dice, six sides, every single story, every single element in your life has six perspectives. And the analogy I use is, think of Charlie Brown and Lucy. Uh, every time Lucy would ask Charlie Brown to kick the football, Charlie Brown would come running, she would pull the ball, and he would fall on his butt. The reality is, Many people have spoken or talked about or written about the psychology of Charlie Brown, and they've also written about the psychology of of Lucy. These are two different perspectives of the same event. The idea becomes nobody's ever written or spoken about the football. The football was in the same place. It saw everything that was happening. It's a different perspective. So crafting a story is understanding what are relatively insignificant five-second moments in your life that have six different perspectives. The example I'd love to share also is there was a young lady that approached me a while back <clears throat> and she asked me if I could become, if I can help her in establishing a talk because she wanted to speak at weddings. And she really didn't know how to go about doing that. So she approached me and I, and I mentioned to her, well, tell me a little bit about your wedding. And she began to tell me all about the procession and the dresses. And I said, no, 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 no. The wedding. The moment the pastor, priest, or rabbi says, you are now man and wife. You kissed, you turned around, and you saw the look on your mother's face. What was that look about? Every bride in the world wants to have that look. They want that. She took that little five second and turned it into a six-figure income by sharing different perspective of that five seconds. So every person has a story, many stories, growing up in a different country, coming in, playing sports, whether it's the people that you've known, the different characterizations of the people you grew up with, your teachers, your friends, your parents, everybody has a different story. It's how do you share it with somebody in a different perspective? This woman was able to share This particular story from the perspective of the ring boy, the perspective of the priest or the rabbi, a pastor, the perspective of her brother. And she can share this whole story. She now does keynotes at wedding wedding, uh, shows throughout the country, specifically designed around that five seconds. So how many five seconds do you have? Everybody has them. It's just a matter of tapping into it, identifying what's the value of it and how do you put that to a solution? That's how people become great communicators because they're able to tap into stories. Everybody's got them. Correct. And it's just a matter of what perspective are you using to deliver that particular talk.
0: Now, we have an extensive library of stories. Yes. Well, events. Events in our lives. Yeah. Uh, For somebody that is listening right now who wants to be able to, who's working for a presentation, let's say, and they want to incorporate a story into their talk, how how What would you recommend as far as how to go about brainstorming which of those stories, basically figuring out which of those events in their lives best fits that talk? How do you go about brainstorming that part of the workflow?
1: It's interesting. Everything is based on engagement. Now, we understand that people will engage emotionally and then they'll rationalize it intellectually. So I bring it down to the, to the root, which is feelings, emotions, what emotion were you going through to through a particular story? So if I was to ask you, uh, Alonzo, tell me of a time that you were scared and you could probably go back into your memory and rifle off three or four or five different events of when you were scared. Now, if I ask you to bring that story to life, I don't want you to tell me about it. I want you to relive it and you relive it through the emotion that you felt. It's an emotion that every audience member has. So whether it's fear, whether it's pain, whether it's love, happiness, joy, whatever the emotion is, the audience has experienced it. Now it's a matter of taking that emotion that you experience in that story and using the story as a vehicle to transfer the emotion. It sounds simpler than I'm making it out to be, but at the same time, think about what your message is going to be. You can't start a a, a talk or a, a seminar or workshop without knowing what is your end goal. You need to first identify what is your end goal. If it's to motivate somebody, well, what are the different factors involved in motivation? Inspiration, joy, confidence, confidence, comfort, all these different aspects. So, what stories do you have that you can use to share those particular aspects of an emotion to accomplish a motivation? And that's when, okay, let's uh, let's create a story right now.
0: Well, actually, I was thinking one of my favorite talks from you is the one about how blind people are. Oh. No, blind people are racist. So, my question about that is, how did you go into selecting that story? Obviously, you. Like you said, you first think of the, uh, of the problem, then you come up with a solution, then you find a story that is linked to an emotion that you're trying to deliver Correct. with your message, right? Mm-hmm. So how do, you, when, how do you go to, as far as selecting that emotion for the message that you were trying to give on your speech about the blind person? Okay. And maybe you can give us a little context of as far as what that talk is about for the ones that don't know about that talk.
1: That particular talk came about because of a conversation I was having with someone and we were talking about the racism that's happening in this country and there was a tremendous amount of racism and he made a comment to me and he said, you know, imagine if we were blind and we couldn't tell the people that we're, we're negotiating with or communicating with, interacting with, we didn't know their color or where they're from. Regardless of their speech impediments or their speech patterns, if we didn't know anything about them other than what they're communicating to us, would we still have a racial interaction? And the the answer is no. I began to research that and it brought back two different events in my life. One of them was when I was having a very tough time through my life when I was closing a business and I was down at the courthouse and I came across somebody who was homeless or at the very least indigent and he gave me some words of advice that because i was very angry at the mexicans that were involved in the destruction of my company the uh, the lawyers who were white the all the different racial aspects and i brought those those races up so that people can make a resonating aspect and then he he mentioned to me that did you know that blind people are not racist and it got me thinking, which then reminded me of another story of another blind man that I met who actually said to me at one time that being blind is the best thing that's ever happened to him. He became blind when he was 18 years old. He's now a professional speaker in his 50s, and he talks to high schoolers because he became blind as soon as he, beca- he got into the 18th year of his life, which is a very hard time for anybody to become blind. So... I combined those two stories. They're two events, two that really did happen. I made them look like they were one story in order to convey the idea that we are blinded sometimes by people's color or where they come from. But it would be so much better for us to be blind so that we can interact with human beings heart-to-heart, people-to-people without looking at a color or a filter. That was the idea behind it. So my objective was... How do I bring into something that I've experienced into a story that conveys the, meshes, the message that I wanna deliver?
0: What was the emotion that you wanted to deliver?
1: I wanted people to know that it's possible to not be racist. It is possible. Because if we're blinded by what bl- what what makes us angry or makes us fearful, makes us question people, then being blind to that allows us to then accept people more harmoniously so i wanted people to understand it's possible all you have to do is become blind and blind of what was blinding you so it was a play on words but it was also the idea of i wanted people to know that it's possible that's the whole whole concept
0: you know and also what was great about you incorporating that story in your presentation is being a toastmaster you are always looking at people's sticks you're looking at their filler words, what they're presenting. You're so aware of presentation skills. Yes. That it's sometimes very hard to listen to what they're saying. But my experience was when you got right into the story, I completely forgot about all of those things. And I was really transported into that story that you were narrating. Hmm. And that's the only reason I was able to be engaged for such a long time and really get the message that you were trying to give and th- that that that's just really fascinating and i truly believe the story storytelling is going to be w- one of the key skills just in business it is a key skill in business in general for it's
1: people a, to be able to to communicate with others it's interesting storytelling has been a tool that people have started to become very uh very enamored with the understanding my perception on that is, it's not so much the storytelling; it's the story crafting. See, anybody can tell a story. Unfortunately, it might take you half an hour to explain a two-minute, uh, two-minute story. Now it's no longer a story; it's a freaking novel. <laughs> so the idea is, how do you how do you get to the point where you can concisely and succinctly identify the main point of what you're trying to convey, say it, and then allow the emotion to be to be delivered. Secondly, there's a gentleman by the name of Craig Valentine. He, I learned from him in particular that you don't tell a story. You don't retell a story. You relive the story. If you actually are reliving a particular event, whether you were scared or concerned or inspired, if you feel the emotions, so will the audience. If you try to explain it, that becomes a heady aspect. And once again... People make decisions emotionally, they rationalize them intellectually. You can give them the
0: information, that doesn't mean that
1: they'll actually engage
0: with you.: And Omar, what would you say what was the most memorable presentation you ever done? Is there one that really stands out for you from in your career public speaking?
1: I have a, a little over a thousand speeches, and it's hard to pick just one. Primarily because each speech had a purpose. So if I was to say the most memorable speech that inspired someone would have to be the box. Or another speech I gave called Why You Are, which is uh, regarding a young man, uh, he's a person with disabilities. And as far as inspiring people, I've given talks on management. And the moment I see that people far more intelligent than I am, that the moment they learn something, they have that aha moment, that is to me the significant part of any particular talk. And I've had numerous of those. The idea becomes is the moment your idea, your concept can be verbalized, can be communicated to somebody, and they accept that, and they are persuaded, or at the very least, they start to understand what you're conveying to them. That is a very memorable moment. So I've had few of those, and I think everybody does at some point. It's like saying, tell me, tell me the funniest person you know. Well, you can mention one, and before you know it, you know four or five, and there are many people that are funny. It's just they might be funny in different ways. Being able to deliver a talk, I think it's, it's regarding the ability to influence. If you can influence somebody, that is a successful talk.
0: Now, great storytelling requires to tap into your creativity, right? There is there is creativity involved in figuring out how to create the punchline mm-hmm. in your story to get everybody to say, Oh, okay, I get it. And that's yep. why he's sharing that story. Have you ever had an experience where you're preparing for a presentation, right? There is a specific problem you're trying to solve with your talk or a message that you're trying to deliver. And Right, kind of similar to the writer's block, you had trouble finding that story. And how do how have you? If yes, how have you overcome that challenge, that block of that? Sometimes we have. Is there any rituals, anything that you do to that helps you uh, basically have more control on how to tapping into your creativity to figure those out?
1: Yes. The interesting part is before any talk, the ideal situation, especially at the professional level is to identify the demographics of your audience. Now, if you're being interviewed, if you are been hired or you've been asked to do a talk, more than likely, you've had a conversation with the person who's hosting you, or the person who's paying you, or the event planner, or the conference organizer. More than likely, you've gone through a questionnaire. And that questionnaire may be regarding the Percentage of sex, uh, male versus females, education, age, uh, where they're from. If you're looking at speaking to someone in the South, in the south uh, Miami, you're probably going to have a Heidi, Latin culture. So every single one of those aspects brings up factors of my life then when I start asking the questions of what they're looking to accomplish with my talk. So this is before there's an actual even presentation or even the development of a talk. Once they tell me what the problem is, uh, I just gave a talk at the Washington Bar Association. The idea was that they had an issue regarding the persuasion, the ability to persuade and I wanted to talk about transactional analysis, the understanding that everybody's in a different ego state at one time or another. Well, how often have I in the past had different events where I've gone from a a nurturing parent to a child to an adult and tried to rationalize things? Each one of those events is a story. Once again, that little five-second. So I have been able to craft into my entire life in some aspect into a story file. If I was to sit here and say, okay, Alonzo, let's start talking about when you were five years old, when you were six years old, and we go through every single event, you will have an incredible, huge file of stories. Now, how they're delivered is a different aspect, but everybody has that huge vault of experiences. Where if one particular story doesn't work, you probably have three or four. If you have, um, say, you're, you're, if you were a sports fan, if you are somebody that wants to use sports as an analogy, you would think of either being a kid, playing on a team, whether it's soccer, baseball, whatever it might be, the failures and the successes of those little events, how do you craft those together into a story? Not so much what the story is, but how do you present it? Now, that goes into much more than we'll talk about here, but the idea becomes you actually understand that the emotion that people are trying to resolve, you already have the answer. You're just gonna deliver it as to what, how, what you learned during that event.
0: Is there any talk or presentation that you found most memorable? as far as stories you heard throughout presentations recently? One that, that basically stayed with you over the years?
1: Because as a speaker, I also listen to many speakers. And as a coach, I get to see quite a few presentations on a variety of different topics. Yes, there have been many memorable speakers. that, And, and the idea of it staying with me is one aspect. I like to look at it, what changed me? What am I implementing in my life today because of somebody's conversation, somebody's talk? And the the objective was, I listened to Darren LaCroix once, and he was the one who said, everyone has a story. It's just you understanding, do you have your self-worth and the ability to deliver that story? And that's where that whole self-worth. So that, that his talk changed how I looked at things. Hmm. That, I believe, is more memorable than an entertaining talk. Uh, we can go back in history. Uh, Winston Churchill, he got a speech for Oxford University in 1947. He stood up and he said, oh, I'm trying to remember now. No, I can't. No, no, I messed up his three words. Um <clears throat> And we're going to have to edit that one in. Um, yeah, but... Oh, never give up. Never give up. He, Winston Churchill said, never give up, never give up, never give up. And,
0: and, the, the, and
1: again, the story is that he said some other aspects, but the objective becomes, it wasn't just those three words. It's a fact that he just helped in the elimination of tyranny in the world. And he never gave up. So his story backed what he just said. That's impactful. Because all too often we do give up. And so if we, if we look at some of the, the advice, talks from other people, they start to influence you. And if there's a talk that changed you, that becomes a memorable one.
0: Now, um, to, f- to wrap things up, Really quick, who's inspiring you right now in general? Right now, Seth Godin
1: is somebody who's inspiring me, Gary Vaynerchuk, and Tony Robbins. Why? Tony Robbins primarily because he has a keen insight on aspects of life that are much more, (sighs) much greater than I ever even gave, gave interest to. And now I find that I'm learning quite a few things. I've heard of Tony Robbins most of my life. But he's been able to open up some areas that I think are very, very valuable to me. Seth Godin, because he has an intellectual aspect of marketing. And I think everybody wants to create that one talk, but they then want to market it. And I don't want to market the talk. I want to market the problem. And then create a talk for that problem. Gary Vaynerchuk, he's just if I can say this, balls to the wall kind of a guy. <laughs> and he has that real great ability to influence people because of his character and, of course, what he's accomplished. I've never looked at people because of what they've accomplished. I look at people up to what they will accomplish because it doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or where you live or what you drive or what you own. Those things are irrelevant. That doesn't make you a great person. What makes you a great person is what you will be doing. And Gary Vaynerchuk is somebody that's
0: doing that for me. Well, Omar, I lied. I have two more questions. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, the other question that I had is one key exercise, one thing that others can do to develop their storytelling skills.
1: And, and I'm, going to, I'm going to bring that back around. The storytelling is important. The story crafting is more. If you have a story, whether it's a two-minute story or two-hour story, hopefully it's a two-minute story, or a two-hour story that you can say in two, two minutes, a professional speaker will understand his assets or her assets. Look in the mirror and give your talk without saying a word. If what you are watching in the mirror conveys what you want them to understand, you've achieved the ability to communicate. Now just add the words. I learned a long time ago actually from a pastor that we should preach the Bible, use words necessary and the idea that has stuck with me whereas we are using words which are only about seven to ten percent of what people actually understand from a professional speaker, but we disavow the other ninety percent of what people are actually looking at and I one of the key elements of exercises. Deliver your talk in front of a mirror or video camera without saying a word. Or record yourself giving a speech and then turn down the volume. And watch yourself. Watch how you convey with the audience. If what you are seeing makes sense, add the words. Now you can actually become on your way to become a professional speaker.
0: All right. And the last question is any latest projects you're excited about and um, where can others find you online? Oh, they can find me at
1: omarrevas.com or they can email me at omar at omarrevas.com or they can call me no, don't call me <laughs> uh, but I, I'm working on various projects I'm working on an app right now that um, I'm trying to keep it under the belt but I should be able to launch that here in the next couple of months I'm also working, believe it or not on a curriculum called Humor Mine. How to actually mine your life for stories and then add humor to it to so it become much more impactful. Mm. And that'll that'll hopefully be launched by August.
0: All right. Well thank you so much, Omar, for doing this. My pleasure. With me. appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you.